Hello everyone, welcome to Covenants, sponsored by the Word House Incorporated Focus Consultation Services, Covenants Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry, and who am I? Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I ask myself that very same question. Who are you? What are you going to be today? I'm Dr. Michael David Clay, and with me, of course, I don't know, what will we call you? Partner of crime? I don't know. (laughs) Director of Pastoral Care Services at Covenants? Yes, that Carolyn? would be the official title. Carolyn? I like the partner in crime part. That, that's a little funner. But. <laughs> well, I don't know that I could take that one, though, because Tim's got that one. But but your, your professional life, <laughs> yes, I get yes. a little bit of that. Uh, but Carolyn Barnett? Yes. Carolyn? Good morning. Well, afternoon, <laughs> evening, right? Yes. Whatever uh, our listeners may indeed be uh, listening to the podcast. Could be in the middle of the night. You, you never this is know. true. But if they are in the middle of the night, I feel sorry for them. <laughs> I was up in the middle of the night last night. Well, Couldn't I, sleep. I feel sorry for you. It was bad. <laughs> Tell me about it, Carolyn. There must have been something on your mind last night. Um, it's called being woke up <laughs> by an alarm. And I couldn't go back to sleep. And my husband sets an alarm for those of you that have fireplaces because you have to keep stocking it with mm-hmm. wood during the mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. So normally I sleep through this alarm, but last night I woke up and then I just was wide awake and started thinking about things and just, you know, and so then I tried to meditate a little bit and, you know, I was going over the 23rd Psalm and just trying to lull myself back to sleep. But finally, eventually I did go back to sleep and then I didn't want to get up. (laughs) Always turn on a podcast of ours. (laughs) just, it puts me to sleep in an instant. Yeah, it's That's not. Horrible. Yes. <laughs> and the or broadcast. So, Carolyn, since you've not had a good night's sleep, you must be really like on it this morning or this afternoon or this evening, whenever again our listeners might be listening. So I can uh, really give you a hard time. Uh, Obedidam. <laughs> Is this another name that you pronounce different than I do? <laughs> do you know have a different name pronunciation for it? For what? Obedidam. Do you have a different pronunciation for it? How do you spell it? O-B-E-D-E-D-O-N, I think, or M, Mm. maybe M on the end. No, but I'm trying to place the name. (laughs) That's what I was trying to do. But it wasn't in the middle of the night. A Levite, Ark of the Covenant, landed at his house when they couldn't get it to Jerusalem because Uzzah touched it. Dead. No wonder I couldn't find it. It's an obscure name. <laughs> yeah, it is. But that was the whole point. Mm-hmm. The last podcast, it was so obscure that neither of us could remember it. <laughs> and with that, of course, in my efforts to be very factual, very true, uh, it was Abigail, which I've done that before. We stumbled over this very same point in a prior podcast. I remember it now very well. Mm-hmm. And I think I did the same thing. I called her Elizabeth, which was actually John's mother, John the Baptist. But it was Abigail. Mm-hmm. And though some would say really not officially David's first wife, uh, probably, I mean, I think the Bible kind of mentions it in those terms, or at least describes it in those terms, is that uh, because of Nabal's mm-hmm. self-destructive sort of inclinations, uh, Abigail was spared, and uh, David took her with him, 
And uh, she probably could be, I think the Bible does suggest, intimate that she was uh, his first wife. Now, whatever fashion or form or manner, I don't know. Uh, You'd mentioned last time Michael, Mm -hmm. which obviously was also considered David's first wife. So I wanted to make that correction as well. But you know what that caused me to do? Look for more connections. It's all about connections, right? And so I got to thinking. I got to thinking about our last podcast and uh, all that about David and the temple Mm -hmm. and what was wrong. And and we got into marital relationships Mm -hmm. in case our listeners might have missed that. They ought to go back. Go to our Facebook page. Find the the link. link. Mm -hmm. Go back and listen. Yep. Listen again, so then catch up. But I got to thinking about about all that, and I got to thinking, well, you know, that was what Uzzah was. Uzzah was a Levite. So was Obadidah. So why was one blessed and the other not, outside the obvious fact that Uzzah touched the ark? And then, you know, last podcast, we kind of made that case, at least I tried to, attempted to, that God wanted to live in the hearts of people And with that, then, the sanctification eventually was going to be from within them. It wasn't going to be something that was done to them. It wasn't going to be in a material dimension, an act of sanctification. But because of the way humans are and because of the way that our carnality is and the way that we think and relate to life, you know, emotional and cognitive, I say, you know, but really cognitive, mentally and cognitive sort of terms, we don't always understand that. It's incomprehensible. Uh, We don't know that God lives in us until we get to a certain point, and then we have to still make a decision or a choice to accept that as a reality uh, once you accept there is a God. But the only difference between maybe Uzzah and Obadidam was that Uzzah, being a Levite, though, did it out of order, the proper order of things. He was trying to help David, assist David with David's direction, get the ark to Jerusalem as if that somehow had to be the place that it had to land and somehow that was going to represent then the source of all of this power, which again, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, we live in a world of icons, right? But an icon is just a picture. It's it's an emoji, right? Mm -hmm. And with that, though, and I don't want to equate God to emojis, but with that, it just represents something. But it isn't that that necessarily is the reality. We talked about that last time, too. That's just an image. What really was the difference was, though, at least with Obadidam, he understood. Don't touch the ark. And then retrospectively, as I'm connecting all these dots, or tried to, I got to thinking... Isn't that the way it's supposed to be, though? Is that really it's not about us getting God as much as us maybe enjoying God. God just showed up at his house. Or at least there was a reminder of God at his house. But God was either already in Obadidam at some level or there was already some order to it. Mm-hmm. That having the ark there really didn't represent the blessing, other than possibly Obadidam followed the rules a little bit better than Uzzah. And maybe Obadidam was not necessarily as inclined or put in a position of inclination to have to help David accomplish what his primary, I guess, mission was at that time, establishing the city, the city of David, but also the temple, the city of God. 
That was long, wasn't it? It was a long <laughs> dissertation. But it was all part of trying to figure out how the dots connect. Hmm. Very interesting because I hadn't really thought about there's Uzzah's disobedience, but lest we think that the the mm, Spirit of God is solely on our actions um, as far as how he disobeyed and then obeying I don't know. I was I was pondering that when you were thinking about, or when you were speaking about how his disobedience did Obed. I can't pronounce his name. Obedidon. Obed- I think it's an M. Obedidom. Obedidom. Um, I think. Obedidom. Yes. He, Only because I listen to my Bible app rather oh, yeah. than just read it. Yes. And and that guy that reads it is has. has it's a, wonderful. I can't He's think of his great, name. He's an actor. He has a great yeah. great diction. So. Did he know about, I'm assuming he knew, like you said, connections, what happened to Uzzah, and did that make him want to be more careful, or was he already blessed before the ark came to his house? Well, you know, I think that is an excellent point, because I don't think it really should matter in, to some extent. Now, that's, of course, paradoxical and um, really quite the opposite, <laughs> because obviously it matters, because that's why Uzzah had his problems. But that's the whole point, right? There's two different worlds we live in. There is the world of material order, Mm -hmm. and then there's the world of spiritual dimension. Somewhere in all of it, whether Obadidam really understood any of that, or he was trying to connect the dots, Mm -hmm. he was certainly not in any sort of position to be, as I used the word earlier in our conversation, inclined to do something with the ark. (laughs) He was just glad it was there. Well, sometimes people are, you know... uh, rule followers and sometimes they want to put a a tangible stamp on it and I did it correctly I handled the ark and look at me you know so I just I'm curious how that played out because we wouldn't qualify that level (laughs) (laughs) but you know that there is that element that we want to do it our way Mm -hmm. and then look at us you know look how we obey God and so you know he was human so I, I just wonder if he was truly following, you know, like pure and blameless, or was he, um, oh, I better be careful because I might get struck dead. But I think you're absolutely right about that, too. I think that notion of sanctification, it's already done. It was done from the beginning. It's called forgiveness, right? It's called, it, it is, it's more than it. But people do he, it. I he mean, is Jesus, He is God's laboring with us and forgiving us. But it really doesn't have so much to do with the material. It does, but it doesn't. Everybody's going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. So no matter how perfect you want to be or try to be, how many names you want to remember, how many details you want to amass, I mean, that's all impressive. Again, I take nothing away from individuals who are really, really, really good at the detail stuff. I just figure I need to see at least the big picture enough so that I don't do something ah, so obviously mm-hmm. problematic that it causes me such distress, maybe even death, ultimately. I don't think Uzzah thought he was going to die. Well, it wasn't about Uzzah either, right? And, and I say either because I really think that's kind of some of the conclusion you can take from all of this. It isn't about us. Mm-hmm. It's about God. But it isn't all about God because God makes it about us. And isn't that the perfect relationship? Mm -hmm. 
You know, it's all about God. And God says, no, it's all about you. I love you. But it doesn't change the rules. And the rules are, in a material sense, everything dies. You can build temples. I mean, I'm building a house, or have, historically. I, I want to say that historically, because at this particular point in my life, everything starts to look like history. You know, And I've got an end in mind. I have something I want to accomplish. I, will, I have something I want the house of David, this David, to kind of stand for. Mm-hmm. I've got my kind of emoji, my icon. You know, When they think of Dave Clay, I want them to think of these things. <laughs> But that's the pain of it. In the end, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. In the end, the only thing that matters is that God's been in my heart all along the way. And with that, then on a day-to-day basis, I've enjoyed him. Now, does it mean you eliminate the struggles? Does it mean that mm-hmm. you take the definitions off? Does it mean that we, we wander through life? Mm-hmm. Without any sort of meaning or purpose? I don't think so. But I think that probably what it does mean is that a lot of the things that we think are important, a lot of the things that we we try to accomplish are all about us. And why would we then be surprised in the end if they really (laughs) would hay and stubble? If in the end they really don't amass or amount to anything. Now that's a tough thing to sell to a Christian audience on a Christian radio station talking about Jesus and God, particularly David, Uzzah because he lost his life, Obadidon because he just didn't do anything except enjoy it, and eventually Solomon's amassing such great wealth in his house. Mm-hmm. The temple was built or constructed and with that then had all that glory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then what happened? Meaningless. It was all meaningless. And a vanity of vanities, mm-hmm. thus saith the preacher. Mm-hmm. And that's... I love that, and I hate it. <laughs> the human part of me is like, poor Uzzah. But I love the fact that God is faithful and just, and He's not going to waver in His righteousness. So when something happens, God forbid, He allows things, you know, our choices to happen. And I believe you're right. I, I like to question things, and, and people call it, you know... I connect the, the devil's, dots. Devil's advocate or whatever. But I like to question things so I can completely understand it and see it from all sides. So, did I believe Obadimom? Oh my gosh, Dedom. Woo! Uh, of course, he enjoyed it and did nothing for it, and that's the blessing of God. And that can be ours, too. It is ours for the taking, but we have to believe it and then accept it. And of course, ultimately accept Jesus, you know, in salvation, but to be blessed. And then I look at Uzzah and think, well, we're kind of like him, too. Sometimes we try to help God, and it doesn't work out. Well, that's the hardest thing, I believe. But the, I believe both of them are, represent the Christian life. And both of them represent realities. Right, exactly. There could be, be like both. But yeah, why did David get blessed? Mm-hmm. Right? Why would David not only get blessed, but why could he not accomplish the temple? Why did blood on his hands, mm-hmm. right? We talked about uh, certainly yes. uh, Bathsheba uh, and Uriah, and, and that's kind of blood on his hands. Uh, but I think, and we also, I described it as thinking like a king, the king, which was King Saul's problem, right? Which is why David took over, right? Mm-hmm. God chose David, or correct, God chose David. But this notion of it is as though you can be as right as right as rain, I guess is what the old saying is, and still end up not showing <laughs> in a material way the credential. 
The cred. You know, we talked about that last podcast. You know, what am I, chopped liver? I don't want to be chopped liver. Mm -hmm. But, you know, having uh, achieved a certain degree, Mm -hmm. a doctorate, that doesn't make me anything. It makes me feel a little bit better. It makes me feel a little bit more confident, you know, and and certainly I want to communicate to the world that I'm not just chopped liver. It's all part of the house of David Mm -hmm. or the house of Carolyn Mm -hmm. or the house of Tim. But that's not really what God's about. He doesn't deny us that. It is part of what makes the world the world that we live in. And I think there needs to be order to the world. Because there's not only some individuals who are aimless in their pursuit of life, just wander through life, not really accomplishing much. But there is much need. And all of it should translate to comforting one another, encouraging one another, loving one another. And there are those people out there who are just, as with the devil, about just comforting themselves. And I guess somebody's got to be a defender. Somebody's got to, you know, (laughs) represent righteousness in some sort of material term. So I'm not dispensing with any of that. Mm -hmm. But I am saying this, that ashes to ashes, dust to dust. People come and people go. Mm -hmm. But you're no less important than King David was. And I'm certainly no important than King Solomon was. And King Solomon was really pretty important until he died. <laughs> and then when he died, he still is important because he's in the Bible. Right. But when he died, it's, it's not really his story. It's Jesus' story. He was just part of the scenery. It's like Moses when, when God said, Moses is dead. <laughs> he's talking to Joshua. And I mean, it's kind of abrupt. It's like the first thing he said, you know, your servant or my servant, Moses, is dead. <laughs> And you think, well, that's kind of harsh sounding. But it was to show Joshua, it's t- we got to move on. There's yes. more to the story. There's more that has to happen. Yes. And I, I think that's just the way God relates to us in that way. Um, sometimes he's kind of abrupt. Whoa. Tim, it's time to put firewood on <laughs> <in> the fire. <laughs> Apparently, I don't know why I did that. I guess I forgot we was going to be recording. But I agree with you totally in the sense that not necessarily that we should look at all of that within the context of only uh, finality or that, you know, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die kind of mentality Mm -hmm. because there is purpose in in what we're engaging in in a material dimension because God gave us material dimension. And why not make it the best it could be? Mm -hmm. But if you hang your hat on only that then you're in trouble because in the end, that's all you've got. And when the end does come, that's not yours. Mm -hmm. My house is not mine. That's a painful thought. All these years that I've put into the making of the house, and the house itself isn't even mine. I like to lay claim to it. I've got a title to it. You know, I've got a name. I've got an identity. Mm -hmm. I've got a number somewhere. I've got an address, right? But at the same time, that doesn't make me who I am because all that's going to pass away. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe immediate to my death, there'll be some details that need to be sorted out, right? Who's going to get the money? The state's going to take the money. Am I going to pass my inheritance on? Am I going to leave my house to somebody or everything that I've amassed or not amassed? Mm-hmm. You know, am I going to leave all my debts <laughs> to those? But in the end, we're all vapors. And we vanish in the mist. And as with mist. And when the sun comes up. And with that, it's a hard sell. Because that's the last thing that people at particular points in their journey want to hear. 
David probably did not need or want to hear that, especially after all the struggle. And why did he have blood in his hands? Because of the struggle. But you know, Carolyn, in the end, that's also one of those things I hope they don't say about me, is that I haven't had a lot of blood on my hands. I haven't tried to kill somebody else just so that I could not be killed. Or if I am going to do anything, and, and it's uh, ours is, uh, what is it? Not the reason why, ours is but to do or die. You ever heard that old saying? Ours is not the reason why, ours is but to do or die. I want to be Uzzah. If that really is what it comes down to, mm -hmm. and I'm serving the king, then I just want to serve the king. It's on the king. You know, he's the one that calls it God. Why? Because God put him in the position of being a king. Mm -hmm. And God knows. But if I happen to be Obadidam, I'm not going to get all upset if it's just lucky. Mm -hmm. George is just lucky, I guess. Do you remember that? George of the Jungle? <laughs> Vaguely. Yeah, so it's an old, old, old movie. I date myself again. No, I remember it. I remember. But that's what George would always say. He just lived a lucky life. It, we're blessed, for sure. But I'm... I, don't think you have to worry about the blood on your hand part. I think we just do the best that we can do, and less we put. I just finished a book, and so I'm kind of all psyched about it. Um, the sit, walk, stand from Watchman Nee. And if you've ever read any of his writings, you know he's Chinese. He's great, awesome. Um, Evangelist, and, and he shared some stories, um, you know, from his work in China. But just the fact that how we, as as followers of Christ, will tend to put what we do instead of what Christ did, and that that always it's easy to say, but when you really start thinking about that, it gets more complex. And so I thought, well, I, you know, you say that. Well, it's not what I do. It's what Christ did on the cross. And it's been done, and there's no doing. But to really delve into that and, and think about that, it's there's a lot to that, to unpack on that. But, you know, I never really considered it as far as, like, well, what, what am I doing? What am I trying to do and why? And then, you know, how can I not, how can I live in what's done and not live in do, but then also follow his will and do that. So there's like a balance, you know, so. Well, and there, there is. There's two kingdoms. There's certainly the kingdom of God and then the kingdom of heaven. And whether you see that in <laughs> again, the theology stuff, I'm sure someone out there has really studied that in radio land or podcast mm -hmm. land and probably could if they care to. Go ahead. Send us some information. At least we know you're alive out there and listening, right? <laughs> right. But the idea, though, is that the kingdom of God, to me, has always been a material representation of that. And yeah. that's certainly, yes, that's not a problem. Mm -hmm. I, I like that. Mm -hmm. I think I told you last podcast, I'd love it, right? If we just all knew our job, all do our duties, mm -hmm. we just go do them, and right. I'd be part of a team, and right. you know all that stuff. But the kingdom of heaven is more important. Mm-hmm. And it's in that context that I really can do but one thing. And that's know that there is but one God and love Him with all my heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And then love others in the same manner. Everything right. else is small potatoes. Mm -hmm. Everything else matter. is little stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not that it's not little stuff because anytime anybody dies 
And it's not that Jesus' death or crucifixion on the cross was little stuff, but it was little in relative to the real power of God. Which is to say to us, not that that isn't important, the passion of the Christ, because we're human. Mm -hmm. But don't let that passion preempt you from understanding the bigger picture of things. Don't let the little details of it, or chasing down all the details, or comprehending everything in some sort of way of connecting all the dots, mm -hmm. create such the problem that you can't see the bigger picture. And the picture is, this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. There's Sunday coming. It's not and if Dave started. Clay passes tomorrow, then he too shall pass. Mm -hmm. And with that, hopefully, as with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in me, because Jesus did that, because he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father except through him, not only in material dimension, but in the hereafter. He is the sanctification. It is the Holy Spirit that he revives in us that really cleanses us on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. So that we don't get caught up in so much of the details and the drudgery or trying to please the material dimension. Because mm -hmm. you're not going to win. Mm -hmm. Exactly, which is what I meant by the balance of, of course, the spiritual is going to outweigh the material. But we still live in the material. We're in this world. We're not of it, but we're still in it. So we still have that to look at. Lest so, we just be a hermit and, you know, standing out on the street corner and <laughs> maybe... Telling people they they need to turn to Christ and never, what is it? There's a saying, too much, too much heavenly to be earthly good or something like that. Have you mm -hmm. ever heard that? I, well, I, your heads are in your head so much in the cloud that your feet isn't even on the earth anymore. And we're in this world, but not of this world. Right. I think is how the Apostle Paul described that. Yes, and I, I just feel like that's that goes along with what we're talking about. And you know, David had a job. Solomon has a job. We have a job. Um, but lest we forget about the spiritual, we can get wrapped up in our material. And there's nothing more important than passing such wisdom on <laughs> to our kids. And uh, wait just a moment, Carolyn, because I want to take the deep breath. I want to prepare myself because I know that in the moment that I announce this, Whenever it is that they're going to be listening to us, there's going to be a great shout as if almost uh, they're, they're walking around Jericho, right? Okay. And the walls are about to fall down. We have a guest. <laughs> I know. Did you hear it? It was a heavenly shout. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but what more important things for them to talk about other than bringing up our children in the way of the Lord so that they may get a little bit of a head start on all these lessons of life and they could understand how God not only establishes callings but how God will lead them to their purpose to his purpose manifest in them as then we as parents turn our kids over to God or allow as with us being an instrument of God he finishes the work why? because we may not be around forever. Right. You don't plan to be around forever, do you? Except eternally in Jesus. I was Jesus. thinking about that in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep. I was thinking about how long I was going to live. Well, there is finality to everything materially, but thank God the order of things is we're spiritual beings first. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take a moment to, again, allow our listeners to kind of get their head back together now that we've announced that. <laughs> Uh, before we bring on our guest, who is Natalie Sheets, and she's going to be talking about homeschooling.
In this moment, though, no, we're really not going to turn it off. Well, I guess we will turn it off. But in this moment, though, before we go to the break, mm-hmm. I want to remind our listeners who are listening to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett, co-sponsored by the Wordhouse Incorporated Focus Consultation Services, Covenants Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. And we will be right back. All right, we are back. And as promised... I know that maybe a lot of people didn't survive the break, Carolyn, because they just could not believe the fact that we have a guest. Had they passed out. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead and resuscitate or revive them because now we are back. (laughs) And we do indeed have a guest, Natalie Sheets. And uh, Natalie, you do something that I think is incredibly important. You know, I almost might say it's one of the, if not the most important things. And I mean, that's kind of a hard thing to say, right? In life. It's, it's, uh, it is not easy, but it is extremely rewarding, but not in a monetarily or spiritual <laughs> way sometimes. Yeah. Well, more spiritual, actually. More spiritual. But it's definitely rewarding. And, and uh, you don't get to see it right away. You don't get to see the, the rewards immediately. And you just... You hope for the best. <laughs> well, it, it's like that with parenting, though. I mean, uh, if anyone who has otherwise been a parent, uh, had good parents, uh, the product of good parenting, you realize, uh, a Christian, as a, as a Christian, I want to be perfect now, you know? But God says, well, yes, and in my love for you, you're perfect, but it still is going to take a while before all of the rough edges or before all of that gets to the place where you can maybe step back for a moment on that seventh day and kind of say, oh, it's beautiful. This is really good. But, but I think probably our listeners need to know, we're talking about homeschooling, not only parenting, but we're talking about homeschooling. And I also think the timeliness of the discussion is just, it couldn't be any better timing. Because I know that there are a lot of listeners who have kids, maybe grandkids, that are thinking, do I really want to send them to public school with all the things that we're hearing about public school, with all the things that that people are teaching them, exposing them to in public school that we don't, as conservative as Christians, which does, I think, imply a bit of conservatism, uh, we maybe don't want them to hear. This is true. I mean, and I will not, I've always said I will not um, bash or, or discount how important public school is. Public school is so important to our society, to our communities. We need it. We have to have it. It's just not, as a Christ follower, the best way to move forward with your children. And um, and that's, you know, when you when people ask homeschoolers, why do you homeschool? It's a, it's a huge question. And the thing is, is it's different for everybody, but at the end of the day, most of them will say, well, it's what God told me to do. Mm. And, and it's not that he came down and said, I need you to homeschool. You know, he didn't wake you up from a dream and said, homeschooling's your life, here you go. You just know there's something not right. And you say, okay, how do I, how do I fix it? How do I change it? And um, so we, we choose it. But public school is hard, and it's a hard... 
from a teacher standpoint, from the government standpoint, and even from a parental standpoint, depending on where you are on the spectrum of parenting, and, and it is a spectrum of parenting because you have some that are just like, whatever, here you go, here's my kid, yeah. and I'm done, I'm hands off, and then you have some that, like myself, who are very hands on, um, and it, there's a big difference in between all of those things. So homeschooling is a joy, it's not easy, and... Um, Everybody has a reason to do it. Um, everybody does. My reason changes, but this year, my reason is I knew that my kids needed a foundation firmly planted in God mm -hmm. and His love. And they're not ready to be a pillar um, in society because their foundation isn't built yet. And because that foundation isn't built 100%, I can't throw them to the wolves, if you will. And, and not that the public school is a wolf den, it's not. But it is at the same time. It, and that sounds very contradictory, but, but you can't just throw your children into something like that and then go, I'm hands off. You either have to be in there with them every day, building that foundation, helping them stand as a pillar, or you have to pull them out and say, okay, let's build that foundation so that you can stand firmly because it's so hard. Well, before you came in uh, the studio, we were chatting and as sort of a follow-up to the last podcast about David not being able to build the temple. Solomon was granted that privilege of building the temple. Uh, and certainly there was a lot of foundational work going all the way back probably to Adam and Eve. But that David was able to establish so that Solomon could do that. There was all kinds of plans and strategies. Maybe it was more the desire. It was the parental thing. All of that that went into it. But the idea that the glory of the Lord really couldn't fill the temple until the temple was constructed. And, and though, you know, we're talking about temples made with hands, uh, God constructed us, He constructs our kids, uh, He gives us that privilege. But when you talk about foundations, I kind of see it the same way. The glory of the Lord has got to have a habitation, a place to rest in or come out of. And with that, then, you're just part of God's helping God or being part with God, assist of God, building that into your kids foundationally. You have to do it. You have to have that foundation built. Um, I'm going through Kings right now, and it's interesting. You know, every other king in the book of Kings is pleasing to the Lord. It's not pleasing to the Lord. And and it's interesting every time it's, well, he didn't tear down these Asher poles. Yeah. And he didn't, he let them sacrifice. And, you know, and when you think about that, you know, it's so, like you said, foundational. If you don't build that firm foundation, if you don't have a place for God to dwell and then be able to come out of, those Asher poles aren't even, even on your radar. So you can't realize that they're wrong. For example, some, and I love my, I'm not a, uh, uh, saying music is bad or anything like that, but there are musicians out there in this world that these kids are following and they don't even realize how bad those are because they're not foundationally structured to know that that Asher pole isn't supposed to be there. But they're the influencers. Yeah. They're the ones on TikTok. Yes. They're the ones on, used to be YouTube, but, <laughs> but they're the ones that show up for the Super Bowl exactly. uh, oh. show, halftime show. So, so it is. There's competition. And, and with that, it's that we were talking even again before you came on uh, about the prince of the power of the air in a more private moment while we were waiting here in the studio. But the devil uses all of those things. Yeah. 
And and more so than ever before, I think we realize that not taking those poles down or not destroying those idols, not completely, totally eradicating that, leaving them there. And building that secure foundation that you are safe, but also protected. Yes. But not just, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word here, but, you know, having a strong foundation isn't just about protecting yourself, but also being a haven for some other other people to come to you. So, you know, you have these big strongholds and strongholds can be good and strong and, and protective, but they can also be bad sometimes if you have a stronghold on your life that's bad and you need to be able to identify that. And when we throw our children into a system that is broken, we're not able to identify and we're not able to sit here and say, hey, wait a second, what are you teaching my children and why, why am I not allowed to be an influencer in their lives? Because yes. as a parent, I should be. But that's what you were saying is yeah. that parents need to realize they have that continual, constant responsibility, even as they might make a choice to send them to public school or even homeschool, because you're not going to be able to completely remove them from the world or exposure, but you have that opportunity to stay involved. Yeah. So in some sort of a rhetorical, but maybe more literal sort of way, I'm going to ask than Natalie, but I'm a man of stammering lips. How am I supposed to do this? I can't even remember algebra, (laughs) right? Much more so anything trigonometry related. Oh, I love trigonometry. It's my favorite. Um, That and geometry I could do all day, but I am not a writer. Um, I cannot string together five words and make a complete sentence very often. So I understand exactly where you're coming from and I thought the same thing. I thought when I started, it was five years ago, my daughter was coming out of kindergarten and I thought, how am I going to teach her to read? (laughs) I don't know. How do I teach somebody to read? Um, But you do. Um, the, the, the saying in the homeschool community, and it is a community of people, um, is you will reclaim your own education through training your own child because you don't start at trigonometry. You start at simple addition. Mm -hmm. You start at subtraction. And as you grow, they grow. And as you reclaim your education, they gain an education. And so that homeschooling is really amazing. There's so many things that I have learned that I'm like, oh, so much more sense now because I didn't catch it the first time, you know, and, and she, neither one of your kids, and that's the other thing is people go, oh, homeschool, they're going to get everything, and maybe they'll get a lot, but they're not getting, I mean, they are getting more, but they're getting more of other things, they're getting more of morale, they're getting more of uh, discipline, they're getting more of uh you know, spiritualness. If you if you if you're a believer as I am, and you and you pursue that, they're going to get more of that, and walk away with more understanding and wonder and desire of not only the Lord but of of just learning than they will if they're just here sit down do this paper. So you do reclaim your education, and while doing that, you create a wonder in your children uh, and and inspire that. And there is this thing called classical conversations. Yes, and there's lots of them. (laughs) I I am... Which I'm presuming is a mode or way of teaching, of communicating. Yes. Go ahead. (laughs) So classical conversations is um, a homeschool co-op 
that um, you pay money to, to join. Um, it is international. Um, you see missionaries using it. You see um, communities popping up in all cultures and all countries. Um, and it is a way of learning, a classical method. So there's so many methods of education. For example, what is the one that they're using? Common Core. Mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. Common Core is one method. Classical is another method. Um, spiral, Mastery, there's so many methods of education. But Classical Method is based a lot in that Greek mm -hmm. thought process back when Aristotle and Plato and you know Socrates. So you have all of these. Didactic, but, dialectical. Yes, yes, you have rhetoric and you have um, you know the pole parrots and the grammar stages. So you, it's a, a building tool to build that one foundation, which is actually what we call our very first program. It's called foundations. Mm -hmm. It's a building a foundation. Then you move on to what they call essentials, and then you move on to challenge. And it's a growth. And once you get to the end of it, you should be able to turn around and and teach it mm -hmm. is the goal. So yeah, we are in classical conversations. Um, there are, I think, three campuses in the Huntington area, and I hope to have our directors on eventually for you. So well, it's a supportive, getting back to that idea of community, yes. and, it, and it is not only a way to teach, a methodology yeah. of teaching, yeah. a mode, the way you teach, but it does kind of allow there to be some, not only structure, but you get the support, so you're not doing it alone. It's sort of like Aaron was to Moses, yeah. you know. Yes, yes, and and in that it becomes the tool the, uh, that you use. Now I'm presuming if our listeners, if this should be of some interest to them, they can reach out to you oh, sure, sure. and find out about this Class curriculum or at least this this educational piece of how to go about teaching it. Yes, classical conversations. Actually, if you just go to classicalconversations.com, uh, they actually. You can click find a campus, find an area, type in the zip code. They'll pop up and they will give you a list of, of people you can actually contact mm -hmm. that will help you. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, absolutely. So, is that the best place for them to go? That would really be the best place. I mean, I, I'm happy to. Carolyn, you have my info. If somebody calls and says, hey, how do I get? I'm happy to talk to anybody. I have been in classical conversations five years. I love it. And I am still learning it. So yeah. sometimes there's times where I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> but um, I can always find the answer for you. I can direct you to someone else if so, I need to. So may I ask another question? Sure. I think a lot of listeners probably either are thinking or have heard other people in maybe more so the accusatory, negative sort of context. So. Are you suggesting then that your kids should be put in a bubble, that they should be isolated, that they're really not going to get used to the world, that you're going to create a communal or a commune sort of thing? Mm, you are not the first nor the last. Well, I had to ask it. <laughs> you had to ask it, and I understand it. Um, so growing up, you had a few people. I don't know if you all had any friends as homeschoolers. I had one friend. I was public schooled, um, but then my, I had a friend who, she was homeschooled. She was homeschooled until eighth grade, then she went to private school. Um, and, you know, everybody thought they were weird and just kind of odd. And maybe that's true. I don't know. I was friends with her. She didn't bother me any. But um, when you have children and they are, I would not say they're in a bubble, but they actually think their world is bigger. My children can talk to any age group. My children can go out and communicate, like my, my daughter's best friends are three years older than her, not necessarily the same age as her, not because she doesn't have anybody who's her same age, but because that's 
who she wants to spend time with. That's who she intellectually mm -hmm. can talk with. Um, but then she can also play with the baby yeah. and she can talk to somebody who's in their 40s and 50s and she has a great relationship with a huge range of people. So I wouldn't say it's a bubble. In fact, I would say it's bigger mm -hmm. than what you would have because when you think about public school, you have all the same age kids, all the same like-minded maturity-wise, um, you know, socially set people, 20 of these kids in one class and spend all their time with those kids. They never see an age range. They never see what it, they're supposed to get to. And so, no, I don't think that the bubbles, that's a fallacy. Well, and it's not. And your point, so, I think, yeah. or at least as I'm listening, what I'm going yeah. to take extract from what you're saying as a point is that they're not in social isolation. You're not no. saying, well, you can't be with people or you can't watch television or you can't go online or you can't do things like that, play games. Basically, what you're saying is so that they can do those things and do them in a responsible way without compromising that foundation that they have that you've helped them to establish in God, in Christ, the Word of God, the Bible, prepares them, gives them security, confidence even, as they go out and they begin to interact with the world so that the world can't necessarily steal them in the same sort of way the devil loves to do. He loves to steal things. He steals everything from God. He'll steal anything that we give him. And he's going to try. Yes, including time. our kids. Yes. So classicalconversations.com. Yes, classicalconversations.com is a great homeschool community. There's other ones like Focus on the Family, um, firmly planted. These are all Christian, Christ-like co-ops. Uh, classical Conversations just is one that I'm involved in or involved in, and I recommend them. Uh, they have just, they help you, like you said, they just support you, they guide you. Whether it's for you or not, eventually you may change your mind, but it is wonderful tool. It's a tool. It is not the only homeschooling because when you homeschool at home education at home isn't a curriculum mm -hmm. it's a lifestyle change it's the way you look at how you want your children to see the world how you want your children to see the lord and that foundational build so even though i love classical conversations i recommend them it's not the only part of my schooling. And it's not denominational no. and, and, and so it would not have that flavor. I'm actually thinking going back to the Moses analogy, I'm thinking about that's his rod, right? I mean, his rod was his, but God had to teach him how to use it and of course, Pharaoh represents all these other influences, the devil out there. And so in that sort of way, we're still doing the very same work of God, we're just doing it maybe at another level and we're certainly appreciating, the other level would be we're appreciating we can't entrust that as we may be formally, right. even maybe as you said, you grew up going to public school. Mm -hmm. uh, Carol and I, again, during the break before you came in, we were chatting a bit about that. I did too. I sent my son there. But would I do it today? Probably not. Right. Because I can't trust the influence, the teachers yeah. to think the way that I think. And worse, I'm not sure, this is going to sound a bit paranoid, <laughs> but I am not sure that, that the teachers aren't scripted or given curriculum that has some sort of narrative scripting attached to it that is just contrary. It's humanistic. It's atheistic. Mm -hmm. It goes against my Christian values. Yeah. And so I would not, in good conscience, be able to send my child to public school unless that was the only option 
But that's why you're here. Yes, there are other options. There's lots of options. And that's the beauty um, of our, our country is that we do have school choice. Whether we believe we have school choice or not, we do. We have that choice, especially here in West Virginia, which is amazingly good to homeschoolers in so many ways. They, they can still grow. There's some growth there that could happen. But uh, yeah, we have a, a lot of options, a lot of school options. And I do recommend, you know, with the COVID and the quarantine and so many parents having their parent, their kids at home, one of the one things that hurt my heart so much was when people are like, I'm so tired of being around my kids. I'm so tired about having my children home and I don't know how to teach them this and they won't listen to me they won't even do their work and all I could think is you can't recreate public school at home you have to take your time and go okay wait what are we trying to learn here and find a way to learn it mm -hmm. you can learn so many other ways not just with a piece of paper or on a computer and that was one of the things that hurt my heart watching these quarantine parents because I know they love their kids yeah but they were just lost yeah. and and that was what the homeschool community tried to gather back together and say okay wait how do we help them because there's other ways so what the devil intends for evil God could turn around for good and if this is a wake-up call going through that the whole mm -hmm. pandemic and the isolation and most of us began to realize maybe not that we're just not equipped how do we get better equipped how how do we take advantage of this opportunity to be that involved in our kids lives but it's a responsibility that we have okay I want to thank you, Natalie, Natalie Sheets, for coming in. Uh, and, and I guess really in some ways, as much as you represent classical conversations, uh, you use it that, that this is more a personal testimony and endorsement. Yeah. That if God calls you, you can do it, and you're here to tell our listeners that, can. that they can do it. Mm -hmm. And again, thank you for being on the program. We're going to take another break, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. And again, you're listening to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett and our guest, Natalie Sheets. Carolyn, uh, you were mentioning again during this break that uh, you had thought about homeschooling. Mm -hmm. I, I thought about it too, but I felt intimidated that I could do it well. Uh, I think that probably came out a little bit during that interview with Natalie, uh, that I'm... <laughs> not smart enough or I can't remember all that stuff uh, but I do believe that you can and even if somebody is a bit feeling a bit intimidated certainly she's a great testimony mm -hmm. yes I really like the part where she shared about how they not just classical conversations but I'm sure the homeschooling community it reinforces that you're reclaiming and I like that phrase reclaiming your education because you're teaching it from the basics up and I'll be honest I've had my kids come to me and Bella had geometry last year and I said oh great mm -hmm. I love geometry yeah I had a 97 for the year like I was so happy about that and got some kind of award or something you know and then she brings it to me and I look at it and I couldn't help her mm -hmm. and then I felt so bad because I thought well, what happened you know so I, I feel like there's some benefit to that to going through the process with them and I just really like that I I wanted to be a teacher for a little while I wanted to teach literature but I don't know I maybe grammar school maybe not secondary well I think foundationally going back to again what Natalie was saying about the foundation and it, and it goes back to what we were mentioning before she came on 
is that you have to have that foundation and, and yes. you have to understand there is a God and you, you have to serve Him. You have to love Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And, and in that, that's secured. That won't happen until you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, except that you would understand the Word of God as He's put it in you to come out of you is different than the Word that of the devil or Satan or, or the Antichrist that's in the world that comes against or exalts itself against God or dismissive of God, all that stuff. But once that foundation is established, then there is a proper order and that's all part of the homeschooling. But I think it's also all part of Sunday school. Mm-hmm. I think it's all part of church. I think going to church is important. Mm-hmm. I know that people who have been to church and have, that's been established in them may not see it in quite the same way. But when it comes to kids and raising up kids, and you're talking about that elementary or that primary sort of mm-hmm. educational years or those years, it's so important. And with that, they may not have to go to a church school, mm-hmm. but just going to Sunday school or having a regular service at your church mm-hmm. where the kids get to come in, they get to participate mm-hmm. in that education, and they learn the Word of God. I mean, there was a time when the Word of God was the only thing that was taught, and probably in my opinion, when we were a much smarter nation. We had, were a much smarter culture. All the things that otherwise would be education as well as wisdom Mm -hmm. for the kingdom of God and heaven is in the Bible, the Holy Bible. But where do you learn that? Should you learn that better than at home, besides being at home, would be at Sunday school Mm -hmm. or at church. There's less opinions and more... God's Word, I believe, but I'm so thankful for those opportunities that are there, uh, if we look for them, but I went to community Bible study for about 16 years, and the first five years until you go to kindergarten, you could go to their children's program, and I worked in the children's program, and I put my kids through the children's program, and I'm telling you, short, I mean, next to Sunday school, that curriculum, that program was amazing mm. and it was only one day a week yeah but I even arranged their <laughs> you're gonna laugh, I arranged their preschool schedule so they could go to preschool on Tuesdays and Thursdays and have Wednesdays free to go to community Bible study but I know that foundation was built I mean Ethan went when after he was born in the nursery you know they even have a nursery and then the cool part was they had so many homeschool families this is in Ashland Kentucky that they open it up to the homeschool families. And that's my first uh, experience being around homeschool families. She mentioned about having a homeschool friend. I didn't have any homeschool friends mm-hmm. growing up. It wasn't even a thing. And then when I was around these kids, I hmm, they're pretty normal. They seem, you know, they're not weird. And their families seem normal. And so they open it up. And then before you know it, 78 kids were coming to one day Bible study class. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just blew up, you know, just amazingly so. But I'm so thankful for those opportunities that not not just Sunday school, because my kids went to Sunday school, but that foundation that's being helped, being built. Even grandparents, you know, you want to throw in family members. I was praying over Jackson yesterday. I was laying next to him on my bed, and it was so sweet. And I was praying over him, and I was thinking about him, and just thankful that we can be a part of his life and at least have some kind of 
uh, input. And that's the wonderful thing about Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry is that we are an opportunity. Mm-hmm. We're part of that, uh, I guess, foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may not be as primary as far as education or Sunday school would be, and we're certainly not to replace Sunday school, uh, or we don't only work with kids. You know, in that those educational years, those foundational years. But we work with adults who otherwise maybe have missed out on that, or we help to fortify that, right. but we're an extension mm-hmm. because we have the very same foundation. Mm-hmm. We, we are established in the Word of God. And so any counsel that we provide should not go contrary to the Word of God. If it does, you should call us out. It's not good stuff. Uh, it's not God. Right. Uh, and should it then otherwise require a bit of uh, additional sort of circumscription or going around it a bit or taking a look at it in different sort of ways, we're always going to use the godly perspective. So when folks contact us, mm-hmm. they're going to contact us, should contact us with that, knowing that already mm-hmm. in mind. We're not going to move off the word because that's where we find our answers. And there are two dimensions. In the spiritual, Jesus is the ultimate answer to our salvation. But even in a more material regard, though we may have different lives, nothing probably we would go through that Christ hasn't already gone through, who is not without being touched with the feelings of our infirmity. But the notion of it is, though, that Christ is in that too. And we will do everything we can to highlight that. So, should our listeners, Carolyn, want that, find themselves, unfortunately, fortunately, I mean, I'm glad that I can help people in a position to receive that type of help, how might they get a hold of us? The easiest way and the best way would be just to give us a call, 304-528-9220. Or you can look us up on Facebook under Covenants, where we also put a link to our podcast, so you can always check that out there. Or you can shoot us an email at covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. And once again, uh, we would not be here were it not for you, the listeners. Please reach out to us. Just let us know you're out there. Anyone wants to come on the program as much as, again, God would vet them. Uh, we would want have a heart, man or woman after God's own heart. We'd want to uh, make that platform uh, open to them. Uh, in the meantime, though, Carolyn... Uh, I want to wish our listeners a blessed week and invite them to come back and join us. And who are we? Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett. And what are we doing? We're doing Covenants, sponsored by the Wordhouse Incorporated Focus Consultation Services, Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry. Again, please come back and join us again next week. In the meantime, be blessed.